Lord be with you. Let us pray. God, continue to show us what it means for us to trust in you, to trust in you and to follow in your way. Amen. I've got to say before I begin, uh, buddy, um, it's good to see you, but you're not in your seat over here. Um, so, um, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, I know you're not here very often, but there's your... Okay. Yeah what you get for not being here on time. Um, this kid, Jeannie, it's good to see both of y'all today. Um, coming from God's country, glad y'all could come visit us. Uh, tell God's country, I said hello when you get back down to God's country. He's from Georgia. Increase our faith. We hear the disciples clamoring to Jesus today, give us more faith, Jesus. It's a pretty weird way to start a scripture reading today. So what I'd like to do is perhaps maybe if I read what comes before it, we might get a sense of why they would say this. So I want to read just a couple verses before that. And this is Jesus talking. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day, and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. Did you hear Jesus there? No matter how many times, in essence, a person sins against you, if they come back repenting of that sin, you must forgive. No wonder the disciples clamor for more faith. Now, of course, that's not the only time Jesus says something that must have been hard for the disciples to swallow. Just to read a few verses just from the past few weeks in our readings from Luke. Here's one of them. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Or this lovely one. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. And just one more. When you give a banquet, don't invite your friends, your family, your rich neighbors. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Now I could go on and quote many more of those, but we get the point, don't we? To understand why the disciples would cry out for more faith. Why with more faith they could better handle all of these hard things that Jesus is throwing at them. Following him would be so much easier if they only had more faith. I get it. I get it personally. This desire for more faith. I wish I had more faith so I could understand things better. I wish I had more faith because then maybe I could be more patient. Not my greatest gift. If I only had more faith, maybe I'd know better when to sit down and shut up. Maybe with more faith I would know when I needed to stand up and speak out. All I know is if I had more faith, following Jesus would be so much easier. Right? 
I get what the disciples are doing there. This asking for more faith. And maybe you can get it too. But here's the problem. Jesus says, no. Instead of increasing their faith, Jesus tells them this. That if they had the faith of, of a tiny little mustard seed, they could tell this mulberry bush over there to uproot itself and be planted into the sea. What in the world is Jesus saying there? I don't think he's saying that if you had enough faith, you could do such wild and miraculous things. And I think he's not saying that because for those of us who cannot do those things, what does it say? That we don't have enough faith? Instead, I think Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. Because I think he is saying that you do have enough faith. You see, faith isn't something we have and then we build up more of. Faith is something that we do. And the something that we do that is faith is putting our trust in a God whom we trust and whom we trust to lead us. And therefore we step out in faith, in trust, to go where God would have us go. Putting such trust in God allows us to do the impossible, like actually maybe forgive that person who gets on our very last nerve. Maybe it's about having trust in a God who has us actually wrestling with what we should do with what we have. Our relationship with our stuff. And then Jesus shares another metaphor, one that I will say is very unfortunate. And I say it's unfortunate, the metaphor of the slave, because, and I say it's unfortunate because of how the church has used it. In the 1800s, the church, and especially its ministers, would prop out this text to say Jesus wasn't against slavery. And so ministers in the South used that text to affirm that God is okay with slavery. One more example of how the church through the centuries has taken some scripture verses from here and there and done its bashing to make sure those who are outcast stay outside. That being said, that this is an unfortunate metaphor. In this example of the role of the slave, Jesus is saying that doing faith is just what you do. And it almost embarrasses me to use this metaphor, but suppose our slave comes in. You're not going to say to that slave, hey, won't you come on in and sit down and eat with me? No, you're going to tell him to make the food for me, then I can eat, and then whatever's left over, maybe you can eat. And then do that and not thank the slave. And why don't you thank the slave? Because the slave is just doing what a slave does. That's the part that I want to pull from that metaphor. That we do faith because that is what we do. That is who we are. And the faith that we do is shown in the life that we live every day. You see, faith isn't about having some mountaintop moment that is totally life-changing, even though that might happen. Faith is about the ordinary things we do in life. 
For instance, faith is about the grandmother who does so many things for her grandkids because the parents have dropped the ball. And even though it tires her out, she does it and does it and does it. Faith is about talking to that person in the cubicle beside you at work because you know that person has gone through some struggle or is going through some struggle. Faith is asking your friend at the gym out for lunch because you know that friend needs to talk to somebody who is really a friend. Faith is about taking the time to just sit in silence to reflect on the joys of life and to share our hearts with God. Faith is about offering up some of our time and talents and resources so that we might be with and care for those in need. Here's one specific example that I came across this week and I'm sharing it because he's not here today either. Someone who was here last week told me that someone in their family was not at church last Sunday because you know what? That person was out fishing on the lake. But you know what? That person who was out fishing on the lake was fishing with a teenage boy who needs a grown-up man's wisdom and compassion and love. None of those phrases that guy would use, but that's what he was doing. So in other words, he was practicing his faith fishing instead of being in church. Now there's an excuse for you. Faith is about doing faith in the ordinary living of life. And we trust in our God and the impossible, the God of the impossible, and we step out in faith every single day. Today's the second Sunday of our stewardship campaign Highland, a place of welcome. Last week we looked at the theme that we are a people of the covenant. The covenant being people that we, we are bound in relationship with God, that vertical relationship. And because we're bound in relationship with God, we're also bound in relationship with people along the horizontal plane. And that means all who are along the horizontal plane because God is connected with everyone vertically because God loves everyone Today's the second Sunday. We are a people of the table. That's our denominational slogan, one of them. We've got so many. We are people of the table. Our denominational symbol, symbol is the chalice. And I wore this tie today. I actually put on a tie today because I was going to tell the kids about the little chalice on here. Y'all can't see it, but I wore one of my chalice ties today. And y'all know what that looks like. It's a chalice, a cup. With an X through it, some think, that means we don't drink, right? No. It's the St. Andrew's Cross. St. Andrew's is the patron saint of Scotland, and it's a nod to our Scottish Presbyterian roots. A table and a cup. That's who we are. It's very basic. It's very ordinary but it's also very central to who we are as disciples of Christ. You know, when we gather for worship on Sunday morning, the focus of our service isn't on the sermon. 
Even if you had a good preacher. Thanks. Okay. And the focus isn't even on the music. Even though we know music stirs us in ways beyond words. The focus of our worship is gathering around a simple table with the simple elements of bread and wine. Nothing mind-blowing in any of that. It's quite normal. I'd like to read from a book that I'm referencing during our campaign. I, I read from it last week and everything blew away when I was reading it. Disciples, Who We Are and What Holds Us Together by Michael Kinneman and Jan Lynn. I'd like to read a little bit of that about communion. It's what disciples do. We join together in worship that revolves around communion. The impact of the sermon on the congregation waxes and wanes from week to week, but the power of the Lord's Supper to remind us of who we are and what we are to do remains constant as long as we come to the table expecting to experience the presence of Christ himself as we break bread together as his disciples. Experiencing what communion means is strengthened by living what it means. Experiencing what communion means is strengthened by living what it means. Doing our faith. One more bit. To experience the presence of Jesus through the act of remembering is to commit ourselves to living the way he lived. Loving the way he loved and serving the way he served. To live like this shows that we have truly remembered. Living as Jesus lived and loved and served, we are people of the table. Not just around this table on Sunday morning, but in the everyday, ordinary living of life. And around those ordinary tables of life, we live as disciples of Christ, servants of Christ, and in doing that every day of our lives, living our faith, we trust that God is at work in it. You got an insert this morning on World Communion Sunday. I'd like to read a little bit of that, the last part of the last paragraph. When I think of the context out of which the first World Communion Sunday was born, I cannot help but think of the disciples' identity statement. Did you know we had this identity statement? I've said it before. It's on our website. We are disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. As part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. As disciples of Christ, our motivation is similar to those who originated World Communion Sunday. We believe as disciples that the wholeness of our fragmented world is best achieved at the Lord's table. When we remember who God is and what God has done for us, and where we remember who we are to God and to one another as Christ's followers. We are all family unconditionally loved and bound together in our Lord Jesus Christ is our movement, the Disciples of Christ movement, invites and welcomes others to the Christ table. We will be agents of healing for the brokenness that continues to exist in our world. We are agents of healing 
when we do our faith. But that's challenging. I'll share one example of a challenge that I'm living with. I shared this with my el our elders this morning. Last Sunday, um, I began with four other white ministers and five African-American ministers, a once-a-month gathering for the next eight or nine months. The curriculum we're using is called Bridge to Racial Unity. We met last Sunday at First Corinthians Baptist Church downtown, and guess what? We met around a table. It's something that I and Reverend Les Whitlock, the African-American minister of 1 Corinthians, we kind of helped start this going, but I'm scared to death. One of the ministers there, Bishop Manling, he's been a minister here for 30 years. He told a story, and he didn't go into specifics, about how several years ago we tried to do this, he said. And he didn't say who was in it, and he didn't say what happened, but he did say that they are still hurt. from that. And I'm sitting here, me with my mouth, and theologically there's going to be differences in the room, let me just say that. And I'm scared to death, because I know where I come from. I know growing up in Atlanta, I know what racism is because I've lived it, and I still live it. The privilege that comes with being white and I'm scared to death. But I really think that that is what God is calling me to do. To step out in faith. Now that's my example. I know and I hope you have those two. Places where God is calling you to step out in faith in ordinary ways. Trusting that God will go with you. The table is wide. The table is long. How welcoming Will we be here and in our community? Oh God, show us the way. Amen. Now let us stand and sing our hymn.